Hello everybody and welcome back to the Wizards Pod. My name is Jay. And I am D. And welcome back to episode number six. Episode number six. Look at us. Like we don't even remember how six many episodes. Six is like my my fourth favorite number. <sighs> I don't even want to know what the first three are. Yeah, I'll tell you later. But I six is the fourth. I think these preferences you have are very, uh, you know, non-static. Let's just say that they mm-hmm. change on the day and time. That's what I want you to think. Well, you succeeded. (laughs) Congratulations. All right, all right. Let's start with the podcast. We are almost reaching the end of uh, this season one, if you will. How do you feel before we start with the regular part? Uh, You know, I'm I'm kind of excited to move on to the second movie. I really like the second movie. It's probably like one of my favorites. But but would the second movie be as good as the first if it wasn't? For the first yeah season. probably not uh also like kind of exciting that we're finishing like the first movie you know when we started this we just started it for fun like oh we'll see how it goes we're still doing it for fun yeah, though. Still doing it for fun, yeah. but now we think it's even more fun than what we thought yeah first. that's that's so fair we enjoy talking harry potter and yeah. that's why we want to share it with you so let's start our first segment for this episode which is the bi-monthly profit In the bi-monthly profit today, we are going to do something that I wanted to do from episode one. All right. And you don't know what this is. I have never talked to you about I'm going to make up news. No, okay. not yet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll do that someday when we don't have news. But I have researched the birthdays of almost all the major characters in Harry Potter. So and, today is someone's birthday? Well, not necessarily today, but... I'm going to go and find the birthdays of the characters in between the release dates of every episode. Oh. And we're just going to say, okay, in the last two weeks, this is whose birthday it has been. All right. All right. So do you want to guess whose birthday we celebrate today? Um, we celebrate Dobby's birthday. Oh, Sorry, I left a very important part behind. Of the actors? We're going to, no. No, we're <laughs> going to celebrate the characters' birthdays, but only those characters we have met in the movie so far. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. it's not a character that hasn't been introduced yet. Quite a few it's have been introduced. James but... Potter's birthday. Nope, you got two more tries. It's uh, <laughs> Voldemort's birthday. I'm going to tell you it's June 5th, 1980. June 5th. Okay, 1980. It's, it's, Ra- it's Ron's birthday. No. No. All right. I don't know. Did you use all, your, all the yeah, features? Yeah, I did. It's Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Draco on June 5th is 41 years old. What do you think of that? It makes me feel old. <laughs> I don't know. He was that old. And since we're speaking of birthdays, one thing that got my attention as I was preparing for this is that we don't really celebrate a lot of birthdays in Harry Potter now, do we? But, oh yeah, not in the movies, but in the books, it's every birthday is kind of like every birthday of Harry's is celebrated. You will find out that our main characters are also born in the summer. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. a lot of things happen during the school yeah. year. But anyway, they're not too and much very important things happen at the end of the school year. Not in every the time. Yeah. Even if you skip school for a whole year, the most important thing will happen at the end of the school year. Voldemort. And you come back. 
appreciates a good education. He does, he does not want to ruin Harry's nope. year. He wants to let him learn as much as he can and then try to kill him <laughs> at the end of the year. So smart. Very Maybe good. sometimes before exams, so Harry doesn't have to go through the stressful period of exams. Oh God, that's ridiculous. All right, all right. Let's all right, continue. That's it for the bi monthly profit. Let's move on to the core of our podcast, which is movie analysis. Just as a reminder, we are still analyzing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We've split the movie into seven parts, and today we're going to analyze part six, which roughly corresponds with. Uh, you know, starting around one hour and 48 minutes all the way to two hours and 11 minutes, so 20 minutes or so. And we're going to start with a scene in which Harry, Ron, and Hermione are in the Gryffindor common room, and they have put more than just two and two together. They had put a lot of numbers together. Let's say it adds up to 10. And now they have figured out that Voldemort is practically in the Hogwarts grounds, and he is the one who is after Sorcerer's Stone. Snape is helping him they think, to go after this, and Harry's life must be in danger. Um, take it away. What are your first impressions of this scene? Um, first of all, it, it's it's a cool scene, you know, like it's detective work, and it's kind of nice, like the whole, the whole thing is good. One thing that I have an issue with in this scene, but in the book as well, is that they don't really go over about how the Sorcerer's Stone really works, right? Because from what we read, up to this point is that the sorcerer's stone is used to produce an elixir that extends your life. Yeah, it's like an extended word. Yeah, but like <laughs> Dumbledore, not sorry, Dumbledore, Voldemort does not, you know, have a body. He is not alive per se. Like he's just a spirit. So like, kinda, he is though. And like how, like we see it in the end of the movie that he's just a spirit, and he says that he was just a spirit. He was less than the faintest ghost, I think, is the word that he uses when he comes back in the fourth movie. So, like, first of all, how is he going to drink the elixir if he doesn't have a body? And second of all, how is the elixir going to extend his life and, you know, like, the life of his body if he doesn't have a body? And that is something that I have an issue with. Like, And they never explain. No, but remember, I know we're moving too far or fast forward in the future, but in the fourth book and movie, he kind of has a very odd body. Yeah, but he comes up with the potion to make that body later on. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so at that point, like he he like invents a potion. Okay. To like create this like temporary body using Nagini's milk and things like that. Wow, I didn't know that. But in the meantime. Voldemort is obsessed with extending his life, yeah. splitting his soul, extending I it. Go, la, la, la. We'll so, talk about this later. My point, don't, don't, my, need to spoil it. my point is that Voldemort has an obsession and with things that extend your life and such. So he probably wanted to be close to that Sorcerer's Stone and uh, see what he can come up with. If he could come up with Nagini, using Nagini to do what he did in the fourth movie, he could do wonders with uh, yeah, Sorcerer Stone because remember, that's fair. He does terrible things, terrible, yeah. terrible, or the other way around. Yeah. I don't know how he said it. Yeah. I'm quoting, trying to quote Ollivander. But, but yeah, you you're right. And like something to mention is that like Voldemort is really like a student of magic. 
whether we like it or not, like he likes to research and study. Like he is, but he also sometimes misses such big hints, and sometimes his like, self confidence just blinds some very obvious things yeah. to the point where, and he rushes. He's, I don't think he's very patient. He's patient, but yeah. also he's not. But there is one, not that he's not patient. He's not patient with one type of magic that he does not understand. And that is the most powerful magic there is. <sighs> I was going to say music, but sure. <laughs> just a joke. Just a joke. <laughs> Another thing I noticed in this scene Ima- is that... I'm sorry. Imagine if he lost everything because he doesn't have any musical talent. <laughs> like, that's the moral of the whole story. Because you remember, like, Dumbledore says, oh, music, a magic, more than anything that we teach here. Right? And imagine if... Voldemort lost lost the battle because he just cannot sing. Yeah, that'd be that'd be something it's kind of funny. Yeah, I like I like I like your sense of humor. How about that? Sure. <laughs> all, right, all right. Now back to some serious business. In this scene, I noticed that there is so much pressure on three eleven-year-olds. I mean, they have managed to put so many pieces of this clue together. They're, you know, stressed about finals. I'm quoting Ron here when he says, I've been worried, sick about my potions final. I think one of those critical points where you understand that these three kids are not going to be just these, you know, kids who like to like sneak out of the castle at night and try to chase trouble. Like trouble is after them. You know, Harry realizes that Voldemort is after him again. It's not him that is following trouble. Trouble is also following him. Yeah, you know, that's... and it continues throughout. Oh, it's the like whole... a continuing theme. That's the yeah, whole yeah. series is built. Also, on this theme. one thing I don't know if you noticed here, but Hermione calls Voldemort, you know who, because you know, and I think even though she was born in the Muggle world, she studies and understands more the significance, the significance than Harry does. But Harry, like a little dumb dumb, I don't think he does it for bravery, <laughs> but you know, he calls him Voldemort. So that was that was interesting. And also Hermione knows that Dumbledore Good point. is the only wizard that Voldemort ever feared, which is the first time that it's mentioned. Absolutely. You know, like we see Dumbledore, but we don't really know how good he is yet. Yep. And we will not find out for quite some time in the first two movies, especially he's shown mostly as wise. Yeah. We don't see him do hardly any magic. Actually, we don't see Dumbledore but do Dumbled- any magic in the first but two movies. Dumbledore is a bad I love Dumbledore. All right, all right. Let's continue. Let's move on to the next scene, unless you have anything else to add. No, I have a lot to say about the next two scenes. Well, the next one is short, but I'm sure you'd appreciate it. I know I do, because it's a scene right after finals. Yeah. Every time I finish finals, when I was in college, you know, it was May, and it was nice and beautiful outside. And even though I was tired, like, like taking a deep breath, and like knowing that you're done, ah, I, and I have to quote this uh, thing that Hermione said. You know, he said she said that I think the finals at Hogwarts were supposed to be terrifying. I find them rather enjoyable. Again, I'm paraphrasing, and we also see this, you know, tension or not tension, but contradiction uh, between these feelings that she has and Ron has because Ron, you know, says speak for yourself. Yeah, that's <laughs> <a> typical Ron. <laughs> Yeah, no, who likes finals? Jesus. I, me and Hermione have very different views on things. 
But as they're doing this, you know, Harry also has another idea that says, oh, wow, as he sees Hagrid, he's like, wow, you know, maybe the guy that gave yeah. him the dragon egg is the one that basically was interested in Fluffy and wanted to go past yeah, it. And it's probably it's pretty, it's pretty smart. And like, you know, it's not like an illogical leap or anything. You know, it's it, it's pretty normal and natural, I think, how he comes to that conclusion. And then they go and run to Hagrid and they confirm their suspicions. And he spills more beans and he yeah. realizes his pet spilled beans when he was in that pub. You know, nobody should trust Hagrid with a secret. Yeah. <laughs> he gets better at it later. Yeah. And another, another thing to mention here, a lot of people criticize the young actors here for their performance, but I think they did a fantastic job. Like, you know, I, I think they did a great, great, great. Imagine like how much stress they were under and how hot it was. <laughs> and they had to wear those long robes and do multiple takes. I noticed a really bad CGI. Yeah, the, the green the screen. Green yeah, screen. I was going to mention. First, that. it starts good because they are at the castle. And yeah. I think I may have been there. It's a part that I have told you I visited. But then as they get closer to Hagrid's hut, everything yeah. is CGI and it's green screen. Not CGI, sorry, green screen. It's that thing that you mentioned the other episode, like close to the movie. They were like, all right, all right. Let's wrap this up, folks. We've got to release this movie. It's going to be a blockbuster. Yeah, but I, I agree. Like the CGI was really, really, was. really bad. Not the C it's not the CGI. There was no CGI. It's just, green, just green screen. But you can tell that it's, you know, yeah. it's not done very well. Anything else to add or should we move on? No, uh, just, yeah, yeah. I, I I like the the detective work that Harry does here. And, you know, it adds to, like, the whole mystery novel type of thing. I, I like this scene. The next one is the scene when they hurry into Professor McGonagall's office because they want to tell Dumbledore everything and they found out that he's not there. I'd like to start this analysis of the scene by saying that I really, really, really appreciate that they keep that class that where um, Gonigal did you know teaches the same, yeah. in, including the Fantastic Beasts movies. It's did you notice identical. that there was a ghost that was sitting there yeah, and reading? reading? I know. Yeah. It's so, much, <laughs> so interesting. It's funny. I, I don't know why, but yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm sure it cost them some money. They could have cut the cost of that or not, but I'm glad they did. And it's just, I like when they hide things like this sure. in, in the background. Uh, but yeah, I don't get like, how how can you be so dismissive? Maybe like they didn't say a lot. They could have said more, but how could you say like, oh, we suspect that one of the teachers is behind. But McGonagall just says, no, I don't know what you heard or how you find out about the stone, but the stone is safe. And she was right. It was That's another safe. issue that I have with this movie that I'll mention <laughs> in another episode. <laughs> Let's leave that for the end. I think in this episode, McGonagall also realizes that, oh, this these three students are not just asking for trouble. Like, they're not dumb. Like, they're, they're young kids and they may seem like troublemakers, but wow, they managed, you know, to get to the bottom of, like, what is hiding in Hogwarts? What is a Sorcerer's Stone? Who's after it? Or somebody's after it? Like, it's yeah. a lot of information right there. Oh, also Dumbledore has mentioned that he's away. And yeah. in the book, they're like, oh, it's going to happen tonight because Dumbledore is away tonight. Yeah. Like, that's how they figure it out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, very, very good point. In the next scene, 
You know, do you know what I like to call the snake scene? Creepy Snape. Snivelous. <laughs> because they're talking probably right outside uh, yeah, Donegal's he office. Hears them. And as usual, he just comes up. Just like he did earlier a few episodes ago. When... You can see him, though. I know you can. But nonetheless, it's like, ugh. And oh, yeah, the way he talks. And the like, way the he way talks. Oh, my like, God. Like he says. Someone might think that you up to no good. Actually, he's up. <laughs> to something and as he's saying that he's looking at harry yeah two things i want to mention about that look is number one he's almost like trying to read his mind hand hand yeah 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 now that you mentioned yep and number two i think he sees a little bit of james in him which again hint hint but we know that the actor who plays professor severus snape alan rickman had a phone call with jk rowling and he knew quite a bit more than others about the arc so anyway alan rickman knew which makes his acting so good. Yeah. He's also a fantastic actor. Was. He, he was. He was. He was awesome. Poor guy. At the end of the scene, they say that we are going through the trap door tonight. Here is one part where my issues start with this. Oh boy. In the book, and I think like this is better portrayed in the book than in the movie, like the cat the characters are like developed better. Harry is like I'm going in myself. I oh, don't yeah. care if I get expelled. I don't care what happens yeah. to me. I know that if Voldemort is back, I'm going to die. And that's worse than being expelled. So Sounds like a solid thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Ron is like, Ron is the first one who's like, no, you're not going alone. And then Hermione is like, we're all going. So like that, that form of decision making, I think is like better represents like the characteristics of everyone. Like Harry is the one with the initiative, driving things forward. And then Ron is supporting and being loyal to his best friend. So, and then Hermione is the one that kind of like puts everything together. Very good. Very good point. And then the next scene starts with them going down the stairs. Are they together? As in, as in, like they were all three coming from the same staircase. So Hermione was in the boys' room. Yeah, it just she technically can. So. She can. That's true. So. <clears throat> Either way, but yeah, they they come down and they run into Neville, and it's kind of funny because it's Neville... the first real challenge of the night. Yeah, yeah, and Neville was part of their adventures. He was. Indeed. He was. Not not in the not in the movie as much, but in the books way more. He was part of the Forbidden Forest. Yep. He was part of the three headed dog. So he was kind of an important character. Which is why he has decided that, you know, enough is enough. <laughs> also that, but also Ron told him, You have to stand up for yourself. You have to stand up against Malfoy. And then he like takes this to heart and he's like, You taught me to stand up for myself. I shall not let you take more points away from Gryffindor. Or he just missed the part that Ron was talking about Malfoy. Yeah. <laughs> he forgot that part. That, that could be it. But, yeah. but he's good at gossiping too. Yeah. So he, not knowing that backstory from the book, I just like to think that, you know, being the, you know, rumor spreader that he is, I think that he just heard them. And he's like, oh, okie dokie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not yeah. Neville, but either way, I like but a yeah. joke about this. Hermione just blasts through him 
And we have a new spell, right? We have a new spell, and that is Petrificus Totalis, a spell which comes back both in the book and in the movie. Multiple times. So that's one of those. And very ones. important moments. Yes. But yeah, so they go under the cloak and they go all the way to the third floor corridor. They Alohomora, the most secured door in the whole building. And they see Fluffy. Again. Who's sleeping, yeah, sleeping this time. And the harp that's playing. So here's my question for you. If you can magically make a harp play, Okay. Can you say that you know how to play an instrument? <laughs> no, because if you can play music um, by, you know, playing, pressing the play button on Spotify, that does not mean that you're playing music. But there is more skill required to performing that magic than it is to just pressing the play button in Spotify. <sighs> yes, but still, most spells we have seen require you memorizing some movement, some some chanting or whatever yeah. it is, uh, as well as sometimes emotions and thoughts. Yeah. But it's the never, most, the it's most never, exact yeah. science there is potions, that's all. Yeah, it's never really explained how, like, you know, new spells are created. Like, you just hocus-pocus, latinus, <laughs> spellus, and it's done. But the movie is so good with so many other elements built around it to the point where you do not focus on this. Like, it doesn't stand out. It seems like it's natural. Sure, sure. And that's why I think it's one either, of the strengths. Either way, uh, they... You know what get, I... Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. No, go ahead. When they go into the room and Fluffy is just snoring out loud, his breath basically blows the invisible cloak away. One problem I have with the invisible cloak in this movie and in almost all the other movies is that they use it so much, but then once they take it off, it's like they just drop it on the floor. The problems I have with that are, number one, how do you drop something on the floor? A piece of clothing does not belong on the floor. <laughs> That's a personal problem. But second, I just feel like they forget about it. Like, when do they go back to pick it yeah. up? It's, I'll mention this on and on throughout the series, but I have a problem with that. In the books, <laughs> they explain it better. Like how, what how do they say? I, I don't know about this particular one. Like what happens with the cloak? I think Harry gives it to Hermione and Ron. I'm not sure though. But uh, there are other parts, like in the third movie, for example, where Harry leaves the cloak outside of the... Wimping, whopping willow, whatever mm -hmm. it's the thing is called, the tree that hits, which um, will also move in location because it's also true. channels. Um, I'm joking, but yeah. But uh, they explain it there and how he gets it. They explained in the first one how he gets it when he leaves it in the astronomy tower. But yeah, it's a it's a fair point. Like something that is, it is one of it. Is, it has very special importance. <laughs> this cloak, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they just leave it there as i was watching this i thought about two other lines that ron mr uh, captain obvious says that are good he says to hermione that she's brilliant but scary when she basically just knocks neville down with petrificus yeah. towel and also i agree with him when previously when previously he had said how do they keep 
a beast like that or a thing like that inside a school and he's talking about the three-headed dog yes he is so correct how do you have not just him but all the other challenges in a school where you have kids yeah, as you, young as 11 year old you make it sound like that's the worst thing that happened <laughs> in that school yeah, i know right. but, but yet it's something they that... have voldemort as a teacher <laughs> <laughs> in one of the in one of the movies, yes, they do. In this movie, is it? Te- well, no. Oh yes, I mean, I mean, like Voldemort is controlling Quirrell, and he is literally but he's in the back the teacher. of his head. Yeah, he's of course, the teacher. He's not like he's a backseat driver. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, right. I'm not gonna consider Fluffy as a real challenge, nor am I going to consider Neville, just because Neville is kind of on their team, and Fluffy they knew about before and they were prepared, but the first challenge that they were unprepared for was the next one, and that is the Devil Snare. Take it away. This one, oof. It was, again, like, the characters are... Okay, this is the last time that I will ever say this. Remember, Remember. The characters... In the movie and in the book are developed, the main three characters are developed so differently. And they have done such a disservice to Ron in the movies. In the books, he's way, way better. So like in the Devil's Snare, in the books, Hermione is the one that loses her mind. Oh, really? Yes. I don't remember that. but Yeah, so, so what happens is that Hermione is like, oh my God, this is Devil's Snare. And she's like, devil snare, right? Let me remember. Uh, they like moisture and darkness. Oh, what what can we do? And Ron is Ron says, oh, we should just light up a fire. And then Hermione is like, oh, no, but we don't have any matches. <laughs> and Ron tells her, are you a witch or what? And then they light up a fire. And that's how they get away from the devil snare. But here they make Ron look like a complete doofus. Like, he can't do anything, and Hermione saves him. But I think the reason why it was done like that in the movie was because one of the challenges was removed. A lot of challenges were removed. Two. Not a lot, just two. But, like, one, one real one. One of them was a troll, but they didn't really beat the challenge in the book because the troll was already knocked down or dead. Um, and there was a challenge with potions, and that one, Hermione uses logic to pass, but they didn't include it in the movie because it's not too cinematic. And math is not too magical seeing, anyway. Yeah, so. seeing someone think. So they gave this to Hermione, the next one to, to Harry. Harry, and the last one to Ron. And the very last one to Harry. Yeah. So it's gotta have to. Be. Yeah. So I think I think that's that's all I have to say about this scene. Like just focusing on like how much of a disservice they make to Ron in the movies. And I feel like a lot of lines are given to Hermione instead of Ron. Good point. Very good point. Do you have anything to say about this scene? Anything more to add? I felt like I talked too much in this scene. No, you did very well. (laughs) I'm looking down at my notes, but you covered pretty much everything. And I'd like to focus on my favorite lines which sometimes i'd like to point out for every scene and this one is when ron finally you know escapes the devil's snare he says lucky we didn't panic it's like yeah come on 
you covered most of them and we have a new spell in the scene as well why i tried to pay attention to it i couldn't it's an easy one what are we talking about solarus no. openus okay, like, I, you'll get to it tesla <laughs> no what is the spell that causes the lumos so you got the first part right because solaris we know... very close so you know that the spell to you know bring light out of the wand is lumos we know that because it's used multiple times in all the movies but this time she says Lumus Solem, which I think I think may mean um, Sun sunlight. Or sunlight, yeah. And basically that's is what scares the devil snare and Ron is saved. But anyway, two spells in this episode. All right. That was the second one. Should we move on to the next one? I think so, yeah. Next challenge is the one which naturally gotta be solved by Harry Potter, and it's the challenge in which they gotta go and find the key to open the door the next challenge but the yes. cgi was done well in this one I and think. do you know why because it was dark yes you thought <laughs> of that very good yeah, yeah. <laughs> also in this part they also tried to ron i should say tries to unlock the door by using the alohomora spell yeah. which i completely have forgotten that this is probably the most frequently used spell spell in the first movie. first movie because they try two times to go to fluffy and then the third time when Ron fails to unlock the door. I like the fact that he fails, not because I want to see Ron fail, but also they, for the first time, show that not every door can be opened with Alohomora. Yeah. There's going to be a new spell to unlock or you know blow up a door in the third movie, but we'll get to that later. And also, I know you're going to hate me on this. I feel like you're a team wrong kind of person, but he says it wrong. I know. I know. It's like uh, and then that, that's like part of the disservice. Like <laughs> give the man a fair share. Yeah. Like they, they make like they make him like try on purpose and it's wrong and you know the door is not gonna open, just you know, make some cracking sound like the door is trying to be open, but there is some other magic that's stopping it. Yeah, exactly. Also, Ron is he changes quite a bit. His uh, character evolves in the throughout the series because we will see in the fourth movie, in the seventh movie for sure, maybe in a few others, where Ron, in certain parts, has jealousy towards Harry. It's not a bad one, but it's you know how somehow misunderstood. You? How wouldn't you and have jealousy I am against? Not blaming him, but what I'm trying to say is let's contrast that thing that's coming with the first movie. In the first movie. He seems so selfless and not True. jealous because he tells Harry, come on, Harry, you got to do this. You're the best seeker in a century. And he's told him that multiple times. He's always supportive of everything that Harry is or does, yeah. which is great. It builds up a foundation for a strong friendship. But I like that they try to shake it up a little bit at the end or in the middle. And then it comes back like, strong. This is like done more in the movie than in the books because like in, that, in the next scene, Ron tells him like, you gotta be the one that goes for it. Not me, not Hermione, you. And that's not something that happens in the books. In the books, the only reason why Harry goes alone oh, I th is because there's only one potion that allows you to move forward and one potion that allows you to move back. And he like take makes the decision that he has to be the one to go forward and Hermione should go back with Ron. Yeah, yeah. So that is true. 
and I like the last part when he catches the key and then he goes through the door they follow him behind and then the key is yeah. just oh yeah that's so satisfying it it's oddly satisfying, satisfying. I know yeah. I love it they did a good job <laughs> on that anything else before we move on to the next challenge no we, we can move on next challenge is my favorite by which far which is why I'm just going to introduce it and then let you take it away the next challenge is naturally the chess game a challenge in which our trio has to play a chess game led by Ron and win it in order to go past the whatever uh, whites I think is it the whites yeah they're playing against the whites the white pieces okay and then into the next challenge um, okay take it away I've said enough <laughs> uh, first of all this I like this scene because it shows Ron's strengths that they didn't like show before mm -hmm. and i also like it because it's a chess scene yeah you do. i have some issues with it as well though but i'll leave the issues in the end first of all like some interesting facts they like developed not a full game for this scene like they they didn't go through all the moves mm -hmm. but in the last few moves that led to checkmate it was an actual position where the knight needed to be sacrificed in order for the white king to be checkmated. Interesting. They brought in a chess master who had created many, many puzzles, and he created this puzzle. Also, they never gave him credit for it. <gasps> oh, no. How, like, do you, how do you know this then? And because I'm a chess fan. Like I, I research credible information, but either either way, it, it is it is credible information. Okay, uh, but yeah, never gave him credit. Like they gave credit to anyone and everyone, but they don't give credit to the guy who created that puzzle. It's it's a really really interesting puzzle. Either way, I should mention that Ron is so good that he's winning while playing with the black pieces. And you're supposed to be in a disadvantage when you're playing because you with start black, second. Because you start second, yeah. Like your chances of winning with the black pieces, especially in the high level, are very, very low. But here is where I have an issue. What what did Voldemort and Quirrell do? Did they just fly over the pieces? They could have they, done that. Did they just the pieces smash? are untouched, untouched unless they do what they do. What you say they do, like heal themselves, put themselves yeah, yeah, back together, or they yeah they found a shortcut, they found a work a workaround. Like the, I I can't imagine Voldemort being like, all right, all right, I gotta think back to my theory. Yeah, no. But who was the professor though that did that challenge? Because for those of you in the audience who may not know, they don't explain it too much in the books. In the movie, each professor or some of the Hogwarts professors yeah. or staff uh, members introduced the challenge. Uh, Devil Snare was Professor Sprout the you know flying uh, part keys. was the keys it was probably madame hooch flitwick oh was it flitwick probably it an enchantment flitwick. from flitwick. Yeah. that makes sense uh, but madame hooch probably just took that broomstick and said up and yeah. it stood up yeah. <laughs> i'm just making it up um who did the chess one you don't know i don't know mechanical why because she is good at transfiguration. So she building the board, giving like the pieces life, setting up the whole thing. But yeah, McGonagall did. That. She set up all the algorithm. Yeah. Eh. It sounds to me more like an AI professor. All right, than you're, a you're okay. Professor. All right, all right. They're smart guys. 
But anyway. But yeah, this is McGonagall set that up. And you also said that the troll was supposed to be... Yeah, and the troll was set by Quirrell. And then the potions that used logic was set by Snape. And of course, Hagrid had the three-headed dog. Yep, and the last one is set by Dumbledore. Who did the math one? Oh, the math one was part of the po- the, the potions. Yeah, yeah so that I told uses... you it's exact science potions yeah. ex- compared to the it, rest of them. So they just use logic in the potions. They're like, all right, those the second and the fourth both lead you to the same fate, and then like the last one from the left will let you pastly save. Some I'm trying I, to make it right. Now that you're saying that, I have a problem with it. What's the problem? Why did they set a puzzle? If the goal was to not get to the stone... I'll tell you what. And then, you know, they knew how to... The staff and the people that set the traps or the challenges knew how to go past them. Why the heck would you set up a, a puzzle? It's like almost like you're like, hmm, it's like the Hunger Games. Let's see what Katniss Everdeen is doing now. That it's is, like... That's a good point. I don't and like that, that. That's why I always thought that Dumbledore wanted to challenge Harry to we see the conspiracy. But but just, so just think just think about it, right? Like he gives them all the knowledge and all the steps, and like even the puzzles seem to be set up to their best abilities. You mm-hmm. know, like logic, a troll that they already beat, chess, chess, flying. flying. You know, everything is there. Fluffy and Hagrid just dropping hints left and right on how to get past Fluffy. And like this, like this, what you just said, I think makes the whole thing like perfect because they could have said, all right, Snape knows which one it is, which one of these seven or eight bottles. It was probably seven bottles. It is, and we're just gonna leave it up to him to decide. We don't need the puzzle for people to go through. I can just imagine them sitting and watching on the Rogers maps for, map, for example, or just oh, in Trelawney's ball, <laughs> watching TV together, yeah. seeing what these kids are doing. Another thing I want to mention in this scene is that. Just like they try to give credit to Ron in this scene and make it about him because he's the lead in this scene, they also try to dumb down Hermione a little bit because at the end, after you know Ron is sacrificed, and yeah, she tries to, move. she tries to move, and then Harry is like, nope, and she's like, what is it? And he's like, we're still playing, like, or no, no, sorry, what is it? Is when Ron says, you know, I'm gonna move, and then Hermione doesn't know that he's about to sacrifice yeah. himself. Which tells you that Hermione probably doesn't know what the next move is, which again tells you that she's a character which is very smart and very knowledgeable. But she doesn't. She explicitly says it, but you know she doesn't know everything, and that's good. And I also like that they do a good teamwork. Like they each solve one piece of the puzzle, but they also work together, and they learn throughout the movies how to work together as a team, and that's very important. True. To their success, Harry, I would like to say, is also very attentive person. He may not be the most studious one or even the most maybe probably not the smartest one either but he pays attention to details like when ron fell down instead of going right away to him and helping him you know says let's wait let's finish the game and they do finish the game and And then he goes to help him and then i'm sure we both like the part when they say checkmates yeah (laughs) so that's fun 
at the end of the scene, Hermione also attributes Harry with some very, very nice, um, you know, attributes, attributes, which he has earned in the books, but has not earned in the movie, I think. Well, you know, they cannot show everything. Yeah. But, but Hermione shows humility, meaning that, or humbleness. She's humble about what she is. You know, she's clever and she reads books, but she doesn't have everything. And then Harry's, you know, has but, yeah, bravery, yeah. which is a very key feature of Gryffindors. And I'm glad that she says it because Harry will have some identity struggles in the second movie when it comes to being a Gryffindor. And, you know, she mentions friendship, which is very important among the three of them. All right, here's my question. Where is it shown in the movie that Hermione is just book smart, but not street smart? Oh, I just said it earlier. She said that I thought that Hogwarts exams were going to be difficult. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking, what I mean by this is, where is there a real life scenario where Hermione freezes in the movies? You know, like she has, she's so good in the classroom, but in real life, she's not. Because that's what she says to her. She's like, oh, me like i'm just like books and books and books but we there don't are more see things her freeze that... except for now when she doesn't understand what's happening with chance yeah but that's not that has nothing but to do like she's not she's here's like, the thing every yeah. time she has succeeded even though she hasn't failed almost every time she has succeeded with opening doors saving ron whatnot it has been because she learned it in a book yeah but she is applying the things that she has learned in real life outside of the classroom mm-hmm. Right. But when she says like, oh, me, me, just books and classroom, I feel like I get that idea that like, or I think that the reason why she's saying it is to mean that, oh, like I'm better in classroom, but you're better in real life, which is the case when it comes to fighting the dark arts in the books, but not in the movies. Like in the movie, you just saw Hermione beat Devil's Snare. You just see her beat everyone. What, What spell? Tell me what spell Harry has done throughout this whole movie. I'm sure when we were not watching. Yeah, the the greatest wizard (laughs) of the first movie, you know, oh, you're a great wizard, Harry, has not done a single spell. Kind of. He tried doing Guardian Leviosa, but failed. And he did up. Even though he didn't require a wand for that, he was able to make a broomstick yeah. Come up from the floor to his hand. Oh la la! Good job. <laughs> he and even when he starts doing spells, you're right. He basically learns one spell, and in the second movie, mm-hmm. and that's the only one he knows. But like that's <laughs> the problem that I have with this because like in the books, Harry's like they take lines from the book, like just inserts, and they're like, oh, we're just gonna stick this here, but you know, you can't without adding and keeping everything else that you remove. I agree. Either you way. Are that's, absolutely that's right. one one issue that I have. And since we're talking part. about Hermione, let's talk a little bit about Emma Watson. I thought she was brilliant in this movie, especially in the beginning. But towards the end, I felt like she was being a little bit louder than she had to be and like probably not as like I, when I think of Hermione, because we have seen the whole series so many times, like it doesn't seem like Hermione. For example, when Harry, Harry said, you know, Ron is going to sacrifice himself. And she said, no, you can't. There must be another way. It almost sounds like, eh, that's not like the Hermione I know. I mean, yes, she would say that, but not in that way. Like she probably 
be a little bit more emotional. I'm thinking of Hermione in the third or fourth movie when she's more emotional, she's more... Whereas this Hermione, she's like, yeah, like I'm your friend, and I'm so happy I'm your friend, but yet I cannot show my... like. She, it's like she has this wall that she's their friend, but yet she tries to keep the wall around. And that wall has not fallen yet. That's hmm. interesting. Yeah, that's, that's how I see it. It's an interesting take. <laughs> Now, I know that we were gonna, you're gonna think that, whoa, 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 we went through this episode without the pop quiz, but I have one. All right. It's three in one. Oh, boy. Are you ready? Yes. What positions do each of them play in the chess game? Hermione is the rook, Harry is the bishop, Ron is the knight. Okay, hold on. You went too fast. Hermione is the. The queen side rook, queen side castle. Correct. Um, Harry is the bishop. Yes. And Ron is the knight. Bravo. Now, you succeeded in the pop And oh, oh, just, just to tell you, <laughs> okay. um, the pieces come off the board in the book, and Ron is not riding a knight. He is the knight. So when he gets smacked by the queen, <sighs> he gets smacked by the queen. It's not like a graceful fall and a little bit of yeah i'm glad they changed that yeah he he gets but you know what i find mysterious he gets like punched i think there were exactly three empty spots and and that's what that's what i was saying or two and a half was wrong yeah so in the in the move in the books they explain this way okay that three pieces were removed from the board. Oh, that makes sense. When Ron said, you're going to be the rook, you're going to be this, you're going to be that, the pieces just okay. slided off. But that doesn't happen in the movie, okay. so good observation. Okay, that's fine. As long as they explain it in the book, they didn't have time to do it in the movie. Anyway, Ron is kind of unconscious. Hermione is supposed to take care of him. Harry is free to go to the next step, which they kind of suspect is going to be the last one. And... And as in the end, or no, 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 just one more hint before we finish. Harry tells her to go and contact Dumbledore. Yes, Dumbledore Snape, Snape, the most powerful wizard comes into play. Yes, and we don't know exactly when, but he does, and <laughs> he kind of saves everyone. Either way, we will find out. That's it for today's episode. That's right. it for today's episode. Well, that's it for this segment. We have one short segment following up. Are you ready for that? I am. Oh, the favorite spell. In this episode, episode six, we have seen two new spells. And those are Petrificus Totalus, which basically freezes you, but it doesn't hurt you. You can still hear, I think, and move your eyes, but that's yeah. about how much you can yeah. do for an hour, is it? Or, I don't know, roughly? I don't know. And the next spell is Lumus Solemn, which basically makes things It's Petrificus Totalis for me. This episode, the most powerful one is definitely Petrificus Totalis. And I like it. So far, your favorite spell in the movie is... Eye of Rabbit. Something, something. Turn this water into rum. Eye of Rabbit. Send it down. Turn this water into realm. You still don't know it, just like Shameless. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll learn it soon But enough. it's that, and then in this episode, your favorite one is Petrificus yeah. Total, or Totalus in the things yeah. in the book. Which one is your favorite? Still the water into realm. Oh, realms. God. 
will you promise me that you will learn it next time? Otherwise, I won't accept it as an I, I, I promise. I solemnly swear on the grave of my son that okay. I will learn it by the next episode. That's from The Godfather. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Mixing up things. <laughs> Perfect. As far as I go, my favorite one in this episode is Petrificus Total. And it does replace my favorite one so far, which is Vingardium Leviosa. Because Petrificus Total is such a good defense mechanism that is yet not very aggressive. True, true. And yeah, it's great. Hermione does a good job at performing it and it's very convincing. So that's it. Anything else spell related? No. And I think that's it for the episode. All right. Hope you enjoyed it. Give us a like, subscribe, comment. All the good things. Thumbs up, everything. (laughs) And just remember... Next time, it's the big finale of the Sorcerer's Stone, as well as the first season of our podcast. We have some big surprises in store, so please listen and remember to solemnly swear that you're up to no good. <laughs> Bye. Later.